back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. Hey, and I'm Brian. And this is a podcast all about the Bible theology and all things related <laughs> to the Christian faith. We are much farther apart today than we yeah, typically are. Yeah, this is are. Bistro on the Road, kind of. So. Way Bistro on the Road. I am currently in beautiful Buena Vista, Colorado. Okay. There is mountains outside of my window, but I am wow. here in this hotel room because I can't miss a bistro. I can't miss it. <laughs> Although we do it's have slow internet, so, so we're going to be doing uh, just audio only, I understand. Is that correct? Are we trying video? Uh, yeah. We're going to try video. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, okay. it doesn't. But All right. we're, here, we're here for you, our listeners. You'll have to, to imagine keep... Ryan's Carhartt shirt, and we could, we could do a... Uh, Listener, guess what? Only <laughs> oh, it, <laughs> it is a light blue Henley button up Carhartt. Listen, it's how I travel. I can go over to my bag right over here and pull out another four of them. It's just, it's easy. Anyway, Carhartt, sponsor us. Yeah. Anyway, hashtag Carhartt. Hashtag Carhartt. So we had a great conversation last week yeah. talking about some different things. Um, application, right. some of my own neuroses about interpretation <laughs> and application. Um, but we are talking about something a little different today. You know, as well, the early days of the bistro, your, your we ne- were very... Your, yeah, it comes from your neurosis again, though. So that, anyway, go It ahead. does. And <laughs> if you enjoyed early bistro, where we were highly schizophrenic, welcome back. Um, so this week, uh, we're having a conversation about communion and right. and i'll i'll set this up brian and then i'll let you you know do your thing sure. so well my uh, <laughs> yeah uh I, having a conversation uh with someone today there was the conversation that was happening about there seems to be a maybe a trend i don't know if it is i don't know if the statistics spared out but there seemed it was a casual observation that there seemed to be um more young people maybe gravitating towards orthodox faith or the catholic right. church or something like that and you know why why was that you know i think the yeah. the big push even, back when i go ahead i was gonna say even anglicanism and a- yeah abs- absolutely yeah. you know and i think back in the early days when i was a younger man half my age mm-hmm. now um <laughs> we were you know, it was all about, and I don't want to say it was always this like seeker sensitive, but it was the band and it was the full thing. And we right. come from a tradition, you know, so it was very um, not high church. It was very much, you know, uh, right. I, I always, I call it this um, Jesus is my friend. You know what I mean? Like he is my right. friend. You know, sure. it was like a driving of that. And so in this conversation, talking about why this could be, you know, one of the things that came up was, or that I brought up. You know, something that I've thought about is, and we've talked about baptism before, but also about right. communion. Right. And that we've, as we've read some of the books that we've talked about, about the seemingly, we call it like flattening out the world, that, that we're not right. connected to the spiritual. The spiritual world is different than us. Spiritual yeah. world's up here, I'm down here. And thinking about some of the, you know, my, my rantings and ramblings about it were just that we need to reclaim that. In our in our tradition, yeah. we look at communion as memorial memorializing, like you know, sure. Jesus says, Symb- "Take so, this and remem- remember." Yeah, remembrance of me. Slow, solely symbolic, and yeah, nothing really happens. It's it's just about our thinking thinking it through, right? Yeah, and and my point was kind of going. I think we need to reclaim some of the 
not that uh, not that I'm saying it's different than the memorial, right. the remembrance, but that there's something we need to reclaim the spiritual connection that we have inside the act of communion. So I thought, hey, Brian, why don't we talk about communion a little bit? We haven't talked about it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. The mystical, even maybe we could say, um, yeah. yeah, it's it, it is interesting, and and so you know, again, you talk kind of about our the movement we come from and. There's a real sense the the philosophy is usually identified as uh, Scottish common sense realism, and and that's uh, that was something that took my time. A, <laughs> well, I mean that's just uh, you know, and and I'll say again the same thing you said. There would have been a time when I'm like, gone. Oh yeah, there's no other way to think about the world, but but certainly I do think that we have you know like you said been influenced by some other authors particularly roman catholic authors in this area i was just thinking about and, and there's there's something there and i think like you i'm not ready to go all the way back to kind of a, you know there is there is a you know uh change in the in the elements into the body and blood of jesus kind of thing or anything like that but i i do wonder with you if we have kind of made it such a, a common sense such, such a a flat thing is it accomplishing what it's supposed to do we t- i think we talked about communion one other time and and I'll, i will say this i think there's a lot going on in communion i think it's a very rich uh, there's a there's a term that's sometimes used for when we're talking about metaphors a thick metaphor that there's a lot going on uh in that um and i'll just mention a few one of them is uh, it, it's about community it's about a, it's a sense of unity um and I think that that we see that biblically. I'm going to look at some biblical passages we don't look at as often. I think, but I do think there is there is something else going on there. At least the Bible indicates this that we need to probably be more aware of. Um, so let me. I guess let me start with this. I was thinking we might read First Corinthians 11, but not the part we usually read about the communion. Um, uh-huh. You know, there Paul. You might remember Paul re- recites the 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 words of institution that jesus used on the on the night he was he was uh, crucified or night he was arrested i should say night before his, his crucifixion and um what what happened there then is um uh, we find him him mentioning some other some other things but then starting in verse 27 is where i thought we would kind of pick up uh, because he talks about basically he says that you guys are not doing this correctly he says before this some of you are going ahead of others and um, you know part- participating in this uh, without recognizing other people within the church and then starting in verse 27 he says this uh, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the lord and that that's a passage that has caused people a lot of concern over the past several years so this idea of of eating or drinking in an unworthy manner has caused people consternation for for you know decades really and the reason is you know they were always concerned hey if if i'm doing this incorrectly or with the wrong sense and and i'll tell you the way i grew up and i don't know that this is exactly what paul is getting at here but i grew up with this idea if you have some kind of uh, unconfessed sin or ongoing sin in your life and you partake of the lord's supper then it's it's not a good thing it's uh uh, it, it makes you guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord, which is a you know a really bad thing. More, more culpability than just the straight up sin that you'd already committed. It, 
Exactly, exactly. And that's kind of the way I grew up. I don't know that that's exactly what is going on here. And I'll tell you at least some of my suspicions here. This is, this is a, I'm not going to joke. This is a difficult passage. So then verse 28 says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. And again, this was a passage that was really pushed and really, you know, we, we come from a tradition that partakes in the Lord's Supper every every Sunday. And mm-hmm. this was really pushed that you had to examine yourself. So communion was really usually a very quiet time. It, it was a time mm-hmm. where you would take the elements. I always say that if you stood in the back of an auditorium during that period of time, during a, a sanctuary during that period of time, and watched, you would see everybody kind of just hunch over the elements, right? And their, their yes. head would go, you know, every head bowed, every eye closed, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it was kind of a, a gazing inward to examine yourself. That was what we were taught we were supposed to do. And, and then he goes on and says this, and this is where I think we, we may have kind of missed the boat with that. And it says, Forever, for, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And again, judgment on, you know, eating and drinking judgment on yourself is a bad thing. I, I'll just remind you what it says just before the, the articles of, or the words of institution that, that Paul says there. He talks about, you know, some of you are going ahead of those. You're shaming those who are poor by having more food. You know, it seems like in the early centuries that this was a part of a larger meal, a love feast, it's sometimes mm-hmm. called. And, yeah. and and so, you know, you're shaming those who, who don't have as much is what he says. And so when Paul uses the term body of Christ typically not always but typically he has in mind the church um, mm. preaching through colossians right now for example and uh there in colossians chapter two it's very clear he talks about and, and the one who is the head from whom the whole body uh and and there it makes it clear he's talking about christ in the church and, and so, so you know, christ Mm-hmm. So in verse 29, so verse 29, then, so for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, you see that as the church. Maybe, maybe that maybe. we're, is there a way in which we're, and you know, I'm just, I'm saying this is a difficult thing to understand. I, I, I will say this for me now, when I take the Lord's supper, I am much, <laughs> as much as I still want to examine myself, right? I, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing for us to take, take stock of where we stand in relationship to, to, to God through Christ. But also, I want to make sure that I'm discerning my, uh, how, how am I doing with everyone else, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You, you get what I'm saying? How are, yeah. we connect, how are we connecting at the body, as a body? Are we loving one another well? Are we acting in kindness? Um, are, we, are we not doing the kind of things that we shouldn't be doing in terms of one another? And, and so, so I wonder if that's not part of what should be going on as well. Now, here's the part I really wanted to get to, though. So, so this idea, don't drink in an unworthy manner. And again, it's the, the, the King James says unworthily there, which caused a lot of people a lot of problems because it is an adverb. L-Y words are adverbs, as you know. It's the manner of your taking, not, not whether you're taking as an unworthy person, uh, as has been pointed out. it's the out, manner. But, yeah. Yeah. By many people, none of us are worthy, right, of, of the body and blood of Jesus. But but are we doing it in a way that is dishonoring what, what is being, you know, focused on? And then verse thirty says this, and this is kind of what I wanted when when you brought this up, I thought this is this is the first thing I thought about. Cause I and I I don't know what to say about this. Um uh, 
I know that's surprising. I usually have something to say about anything, right? <laughs> but, but verse 30 says this, that is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep, which we take to be uh, a metaphor for death, right? Mm-hmm. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and a number have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, uh, is what it says there, it's a reflexive pronoun, we would not be under such judgment. Uh, or you can use the word condemnation there if you wanted. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not finally be condemned with the world. We're, the word condemned and judge in uh, in Greek is the same word, and it's, it's a matter of having to try to decide which one to use. But... Uh, Anyway, that idea of being sick and weak and falling asleep is, is what we've talked about before, where we see in the Bible, the spiritual, biblically, the spiritual has an influence on the physical, right? Yeah. It, yeah. There's not what you said, this kind of separation uh, of the upper story, the upper world, and and the, the physical world, uh, scripturally. Uh, and so I don't know, what, what, what are your thoughts about that? Does that... Does that make well, you think anything or? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this has always been um, an interesting verse, you know, to always wrestle with, as you said, like, it's not easy to deal with, you know, and I think right. it's partly because it's almost like, well, we don't want to think that way. Right. You know, we don't want to think like, oh, if I took it more flippantly, it might have an effect on my on my body, um, you know, like it actually might cause God might judge me before because of that. But I think it's, you know, I think it's just hard for us to, to, to comprehend, like that taking the Lord's supper is such a, a serious thing. Like it's right. You know, I mean, at least as to me, as I see this, as Paul's pointing out that like, there's a, um, a serious connection here between the spiritual aspects of our lives and the physical aspects of our lives. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And, and, Again, when we think about the and I again I, I don't <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. It does make me uncomfortable when I start thinking about well, is there is there physical like effects of uh, of not um, mm-hmm. being careful with this? Let me go back a chapter earlier and kind of give some context. Let me read actually one more one more verse. Uh, It says, nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we're being disciplined, so we're not being finally condemned with the world. And then it goes on and goes back to what he had said previously, verse 33. So then, my my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who's hungry should eat something at home. So he's going back to what he says is the primary issue before he begins his instruction. So that's why, again, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, I think that's really hard. You know, like as I look at verse 32, Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way, well, the, isn't what he's basically saying that judgment is death? You know, or is well, it the weakness yeah. and sickness? You know what I mean? Like, right. it, to me, like, the, that judgment is death. It, and he's saying, yeah. and then he goes on to say, like, well, you're being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Is he saying, like, an individual person might be put to death so the church won't be condemned <laughs> by the world for I don't think not death. being what the church think- is supposed to be? Yeah, I don't think I think he's talking more about weakness and sickness. And again, are we thinking spiritual sickness? Or are we thinking you know literal right. like physical. physical sickness? Well, yeah, I, mean, I don't, it has I don't to know. Be physical. I mean, if we if we're going to take falling asleep as a physical death, or, is it, or should we? Well, read this although there is a spiritual, spiritual, there is spiritual death, death as well. right? If we if we fail to you know if if we go long term ignoring and and. Um, 
I'm going to actually, I had planned to do this, but there's a passage in Hebrews 10 that I'll often I, I think about in this context as well, but I'll bring that in at the end. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. And, you know, again, you, well, you can hear, yeah. hear me wrestling with it a bit. So. Well, it, this kind of reminds me, I believe it's Mark four when jesus talks about the seed that's tossed out and in the middle of that he's quoting isaiah we're basically saying that there are some that are blind because of disobedience you know could this be a similar thing that their disobedience and how they're treating their brother is something that's causing their spiritual death yeah i think that, that kind of is something that reminds me of that yeah, to be aware then, to be discerning about yourself. And, and yeah, yeah, I think, again, that, that's a more natural way to take it. But, again, I do think there is there is something that takes place mm-hmm. in in this, this – we call it the Lord's Supper or communion or the Eucharist is another word. And we'll get to why it's called that in just a minute, actually. Um, that well, the I main think point here is – the main mm-hmm. point is – if you don't do this, whether it's physical death or spiritual death, it's still not a good thing. Like there's a connection right. about right. our 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 Judgment the way that we the, yeah, yeah the way that we approach the Lord's Supper has a direct connection, be it spiritual death mm-hmm. or physical physical w- world as well. Right, it's not something to be taken lightly for sure. Yeah. Well, let's go back to chapter before and put put this in a little bit more context as well, because because it's interesting here as well when when. Paul starts talking about this issue. He he begins. I'm, I'm just going to read verses one through five here together because he, he he connects uh, the church to to Israel and, and makes a really close and interesting connection here. Now he again, we have to understand this in a kind of quote unquote spiritual sense. He says, "I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea." So that takes us back to the Exodus and the Red Sea is the Mm -hmm. issue here. And and here's what he does with that. Verse 2, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Interesting. For Paul, baptism is something that all Christians have in common. There's no question about that. And Mm -hmm. and I always say here, he kind of baptizes the entire nation of Israel here in this, you know, to, (laughs) to to basically say that we have this connection. And then Mm -hmm. he says this, they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. Uh, You remember there's three or four occasions. I think it's, I think it's four technically that, that the Israelites were without water in the, in the wilderness. Somebody will correct me on that. I'm sure. But, um, the, got, uh, tr- got Moses in trouble. And they were in trouble. <laughs> right, right. The the rabbinic there was a rabbinic idea that that was the same rock that that every time they and so there's a sense in which this rock accompanied them whenever they needed hmm. water it was able to provide water so that was kind of the common thought in the, or not I don't know common thought but that was a thought in the first century and and Paul seems to be referring to this rabbinic idea. And he says that rock is Christ. In other words, we're drinking from him, that, that, that spiritual drink. So we, for example, in the Lord's Supper, we say this is the blood of Christ, right? We are drinking from him. And then mm-hmm. it says this, uh, nevertheless, they ate the same spiritual food, the idea of manna, right? That they had, yeah. they ate that, that manna. And there's a way in which that corresponds to the, to the bread and the cup for the, for the Lord's Supper. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. So that's that's kind of him connecting uh, the church to Israel. Now, down in verse 14, 
is really where he's getting to the primary point he's making. And, and I'll go ahead and tell you, the primary point is don't participate in idol feast if it's going to... Um, if it's going to, you know, cause cause you problems, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, verse fourteen says, "Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry." Now, again, here's here's another good example. We often take idolatry to be, um, you know, spiritual. We think in terms of spiritual idolatry, not literally bowing our knee to an idol, but you know, what are the right. things that we put before God. Uh, he says, I speak to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say, is not the cup of thanksgiving. Now, I was just going to mention this, the cup of thanksgiving, that's where we get the name Eucharist. Um, uh, the word for, for uh, the Greek word for thanksgiving is that idea of Eucharist. Uh, mm-hmm. okay. uh, and, and so uh, it says, it's not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks and participation. Um and then he goes on and he says, uh, you know, so, and I've talked about this when we talked about baptism, there is some form in which we're participating in the death of Christ, right? Right. And, and here he uses a similar word where he says that we are, we are participating in the blood of Christ and is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ, and again, I think with mm-hmm. Paul, you have to ask the question, you know, blood of Christ, body of Christ, we, we tend to be thinking physically, right? Um, mm-hmm. But then he says this, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. And I said that one of the things that's symbolized in communion is this idea of unity. Uh, one loaf broken uh, represents the unity that we have as the body of Christ uh, as well. Uh, and I'll, I'll go on a little bit further here in a minute, but any thoughts on that or what? So, so this idea of the cup of Thanksgiving, we're participating in the blood and the bread. We're participating in the body of Christ. Yeah, I think, you know, it's kind of how we kicked off this episode. I think that's one of the things that I feel like we miss sometimes right. that we, we miss the participation in something. And I think that's the, you know, as you've already brought up, it was a similar conversation that we had with baptism, baptism, that, yeah. you know, that, that we're, we're participating in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus in baptism. And then, and communion, we're also participating in something, you know, I, I think, you know, this one loaf idea kind of goes back to the, you know, the one stone in rabbinic, right. you know, right. that it was, that was Christ going through there, that was, you know, Jesus is the rolling stone and now his body is the one loaf, <laughs> you know, right, right. Uh, you know, that we all share. So there's a, by participating in Christ who is, you know, in that one, that we're all participating in him, that we're all across, you know, all believers globally are participating in one body across the world as well. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's unity, there's unity in that. And that's what, that's one of the cool things I always think about when, when I'm participating in, in communion is I think about all the different places in the world where I have, I have done that. You know, I know that there are brothers and sisters that I have people that I've worshiped with in the Dominican Republic, for example, or in Scotland who are that very day, either earlier than me or later than me, right? They're, they're, participating in that or people on the west coast that i've you know churches that i've participated with there this is a sign this is a common sign of our unity i think is is one of the things that's that's being symbolized here um, yeah. and yeah and that gives so much more importance i think to the point that you were you weren't you said you weren't like saying like this is what it is but that body of christ in 
uh, that we read earlier in, in right. chapter 11, like it, the, the, that's why this is the importance of the body of Christ is we are one body. And if you're not looking at how the rest of the body is operating, like that's, that's the problem. Right. Right. Exactly. Just, yeah. That connection. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Then uh, let's go with this. This, this next part's the kind of part that gets a little tougher. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> He, Don't we usually skip this. those parts? That's why we, we <laughs> well, skip these parts. <laughs> we could. So he goes on and says, consider, it, this is really getting to what, what Paul's talking about here, I think. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Now, again, this is a little foreign to our culture typically, although I <laughs> I learned one time, I asked a question because I was, I was going to talk about the application, kind of what we talked about a little bit last week. You know, how do we mm-hmm. apply some of these things? And I and I I've done this before. I'd say, oh, okay, now how many of you actually ever participated in an idol feast? And uh, you know, my anticipation is nobody would raise their hand. Well, I was I was teaching, and there was a uh, a student who was from a different country who raised their hand. I'm like, oh gee, I need to be careful here. But but anyway, <laughs> yes. in our in our culture at least, uh, this idea of a, a, a idol feast isn't something that we're we're typic, you know we're, we're used to. But it was really common in the first century, uh, where you had animals being sacrificed to these gods, to these idols, these false gods. And then the meat would be sold in a marketplace in order to help support the the temple uh, mm-hmm. and the people who work there, and, uh, and and so, you know, the question it was a big question in the first century in the church is can you eat that meat or not? And uh, I'll tell you, I think Paul. It, this is reading all of his letters. Paul comes out on the side that there's nothing there's nothing wrong with eating that meat unless you think somehow you are participating in that false god when you do. And then if you do, you've made that wrong for yourself. This is one of the things that is that is a major, like I said, a major issue in the first century that we don't necessarily think about. But then he, he goes on and says this, 19, do I mean then that the food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? <laughs> now, Corinth was was an area, you know, when Paul went there, it, this is not a Jewish area. This is a Gentile area. And there would have been all kinds of pagan worship that took place in Corinth in the first century, all kinds of different temples. There's a temple to Artemis there, we know, for example, uh, you know, it wasn't too far from from uh, uh, where um, where there was a place that you could go and um, uh ask questions of the Sibylline oracles. It, it, it's not, it, it's a place where there was a, a God of healing there in Corinth. You know, there are all kinds of different idols that you could participate in. And, and so I think Paul here is talking about, again, you know, we talked about this idea with, with demons, you know, it, it, he's saying you're participating with demons, which is right. an interesting, again, an interesting thought different than uh, what you would say a flattening or you know kind of a one one story universe uh, you know he's saying here that there is a there's a way in which these demons are are interacting in the in the lives of these worshipers at pagan temples yeah that there's a there's a connection there between the physical and the spiritual realm like there's right. the, the physical realm has a has 
connects you to something in the spiritual realm, not just in the spiritual. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know, okay. I, I hadn't ever thought about this with the with the demon thing. You know, sometimes right. I, I felt like, you know, again, I've never participated in an idol feast, right. um, but you get in there. And you sometimes for me, it's I have glossed over some of those those pieces and not realizing right. like if Paul's saying this about eating an idol an idol meal connects you to a demon like exactly. how, what does that mean for us about exactly. the, the meals that we place in our churches and how that connects us to to christ and that's and that's what other. i'm yeah that's what i'm getting at is he's he's using this as, a, as kind of a parallel and so he's i think he's saying there's some kind of participation with christ that takes place in the eucharist now again can i quantify that do i know exactly what it looks like no but but i do think it is more than simply saying uh, you know, it's, it's more than something that simply happens in my head, right? Uh, yeah. I, I think that there is an ex- external connection uh, in some way uh, with with Christ. I mean, I mean, whatever, whatever, however we understand that. Yeah, I, I, I will say, and you know, in my own mind and in my own life, it always it always been at some point to go like. I'm just, I'd always envision Jesus on the cross and his body right. and his blood and, you know, forgive me for these things that I know, that I right. know I've messed up on, right. you know, and then it's just like, I'm just, I'm just trying to remember it. Like I forget it. And I had always taken it in such a flat way. And yeah. so, you know, it's in some ways it's, you know, I think there's always been times like, Oh, this is more meaningful if I take it this way or this way, but right. you know, in, in my mind of, as we've, as you and I have been having discussions and we've been reading other stuff and having these conversations, it's just like, you know, reclaiming that my life is connected to the spiritual world right. and that my, that my sacraments, that the, the, the baptism, that the communion that I take is connecting me to that. It is, yes, it is about me examining myself and yeah. my relationships in the body, but it is also about me having a true connection to, to Christ. Yeah, and I, and I would say for me again, I'm, I'm just going to repeat this. I, I I am still not willing to go all the way back to where we were previously, yes, I agree. right? And and even the word sacrament, and and I've had students, you know, kind of the students you're talking about that go have gone on to to different kinds of of churches, kind of you know, look at me, you know, little, little side eyed this way, but but the, the word <laughs> the word sacrament is an actual dispenser of grace i mean i mean yeah it is god's grace being being demonstrated to me and shown to me but uh, you know in my in my upbringing that that word sacrament i still can't i still it was can't a, it use. was a loaded term it's a loaded yeah, term yeah yeah and 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 that's and i think i think as i as i examine myself as i think about this in, in regard to my my own in my own head, I think I have to admit that it's because I'm not willing to go all the way, uh, you know, to to some of those, you know, like in, in a Roman Catholic understanding of what takes place in these in these acts, for example. Yeah. And, well, and I do think then go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, we're, we're not willing to say that it becomes the literal body and blood of Christ. Yeah, yeah, and and, and whatever that means. And, yeah. <laughs> and then, yes, exactly. <laughs> And then, you know, well, so let's go, back to, let's go back to your initial question then. Is that why, you know, in an orthodox understanding, which has a long pedigree, you know, it's a long history. Um, is this what, what is attractive to, to some, um, mm-hmm. some people that they feel like, yeah, this is actually describing more 
that there is an interaction between myself and the and the divine, you know, between myself and the Father and the Son, yeah, and, that, and the Spirit. Yeah, and as we've talked about, you know, a lot of my neuroses play into this, um, but <laughs> you know, it, it, and I'm not dismissing anything. You know, I, I I've gone to a lot of churches that are boxes. You know, it's like a black right. box. Um, you know, but I, when I, in a world where I feel like this is for me, like where everything is flat around me, um, you know what I mean? Like I'm just, I'm grinding out my days right. sometimes um, that, you know, reclaiming some of this piece of like, I can have a connection to something else. Right. Again, I'm projecting myself on these students that are going to Orthodox or well, Catholic or whatever, but just kind of yeah. just feeling like I, there are days I can feel with inside myself, like I hunger for something outside of myself, right. outside of my physical world. And, you know, that's what, again, I'll mention Charles Taylor. That's, that's kind of what he said 500 years ago in your, in your day-to-day life. That's the role that the church filled, you know, and, and that's why you look to, to this, you know, this mystical, to this, to this mystery. Um, and, and you, you were, you know, it was a part of, of, your experience um and and, you know i guess today we we have so many spectacles i'll use the word Mm -hmm. um you know that that are not connected to the church uh you know incredible you know movies the just the 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 graphic designs what's the word i'm looking for like that the uh visual effects visual effects and the ai and all the stuff that's going on with that and, you know, even our TV screens, holy cow, we get 80 inch TVs in our houses. I mean, I don't, but, you know, you, you, you get 80 <laughs> I inch, don't either. <laughs> you can get an 80 inch TV that's what, you know, 8K or whatever, you know, that that looks like, you know, reality and uh, or better than reality. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but it's it's just very you know it's very odd that those those kind of things and then you know sports we've mentioned before and you and I are both music people and we enjoy a concert and mm-hmm. you know the kind you know and I will say it was it was at a concert several years ago this isn't something recent but several years ago and, and I realized you know I'm getting more excited about this performer than I am typically on a Sunday morning and, mm-hmm. and what does that say you know it, it's not my problem with getting excited about the performer it's the problem that I, i'm not getting excited enough about what happens on sunday morning so mm-hmm. anyway Oof. yep i understand that <laughs> okay well i'm going to mention i'm just going to mention uh, just two more things then quickly one of them okay. well actually maybe three um one of them let me let me quote this um this is from uh uh i think this is ignatius hold on let me let me double check this i think it's ignatius that said this i'm going to quote it and then somebody will correct me uh, the the medicine of immortality is what he calls the eucharist the medicine of immortality the antidote we take in order not to die but to live forever in jesus christ um, and that was in the commentary on the letter to the Ephesians, but it goes back to, and, and I, John, you know, I, I don't necessarily take this. <laughs> well, I'll tell you how I explain this passage, but a lot of people will go to this passage in John chapter six. Uh, and you might remember there, this is after the feeding of the 5,000 and there's whole discussion, interestingly enough, given what we just saw with Paul, whole discussion about manna, you know, will you give us bread from heaven? And then Jesus says, I am the bread that's come down from heaven. And if you eat from me, then you will live. Right. And right. this causes, this causes a lot of concern. Um, 
I'll read verse 35. This is in chapter 6. I'm not going to read a lot of this, but I want to go skip down to something else. 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. And then he goes on down, and uh, the Jews there begin to grumble among themselves because he said, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. Uh, and they're like, this is just Jesus, you know. And then he says, he says further on, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Then the Jews begin to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? This would have been a very offensive idea for a Jewish person. I mean, it's offensive for anybody, but especially for a Jewish person to think about eating flesh. Right. right. And, and, and we see Jesus doing this several times in the Gospel of John where he he um, causes misunderstanding. I don't know if causes misunderstanding is the right way to say it, but he'll say something that is misunderstood in order to mm-hmm. take them into a deeper level of understanding. And, and then after they get upset about this, Jesus said to them, very truly, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. And so this passage is often taken as a direct reference to the Eucharist. And I think that's what uh, this early church father is referring to when he says that this is the antidote that we take. The, the Eucharist is what we take in order to not die, but to live forever in Jesus Christ. I think he's referring to that, that kind of an idea. You can also see the idea for transubstantiation in that, 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 that right. is, you know, this is, you know, now what I think food in, in, uh, in, um, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, my food, you might remember when, when the disciples went, uh, they were in Samaria and Jesus talked to the woman at the well and, and they come back and they say, here, Jesus, we got you a sandwich. Aren't you hungry? And he, he says, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. So food in John can even have this kind of figurative sense. And I think that food here to eat Jesus flesh and to drink his blood. I see it as parallel. I always say to the Eucharist pointing to the same reality of participating, uh, in, in, in Jesus, uh, mm. to do, to do his will is to eat his flesh and to drink his blood. And this is what he's kind of, uh, what he's saying. But, but there are some people who take this as a direct reference to, to the Eucharist. You might remember famously in the gospel of John, there is no institutional Lord's supper in the gospel of John. Um, you have the foot washing in the upper room, but there is no institutional Lord's supper. And so some people take this to be the Johannine reference to that, to that kind of an idea. Uh, again, I don't know exactly what to do with it. I've given you some things to think about <laughs> Yeah. With that, well, you but... know what? It's good to have a, a John scholar of sorts here to, to bring out the uh, the food thing because I would have never seen you know like the the bringing back to the woman at the well, right? In uh, what, what is that? John three. That's John um, a four. Right. John four. John uh, three is Nic- yeah, it's Nicodemus, and then the woman at the well is John four. I think I'm work. I'm working on it, Brian. I'm working on it here. <laughs> um, but that connects to that real food in that in the Gospel of John. You know, this idea that whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. It's kind of doing the will of 
that kind of that idea of doing the will of Christ. Interesting. Right. That is something to chew on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no pun intended. Like a real piece of bread. Yeah. No, no pun intended. <laughs> So let me give you one more. I wasn't planning on using this passage, but this is the other one that always comes to my mind. It's Hebrews 10. And Hebrews, I mean, this is this is one of those passages, again, that causes people all kinds of trouble. Uh, Hebrews 10, you might remember that the Hebrew writer says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment, raging fire will consume the enemies of God. You, you might remember that. Mm-hmm. But just before that, he talks about don't give up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, uh, we understand the early church that that the meetings, the the central point of the meeting was the was the the communion, the Eucharist. And, and here's what's interesting is he says that the fearful expectation of judgment, raging fire will consume the enemies of God. And then he goes on. He says, anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the son of God underfoot and who has treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who's insulted the spirit of grace. Now, the only reason I mention this is you'd be surprised how seldom the phrase blood of the covenant occurs in the new Testament. Um, and well, tell me, tell me, and then I'll, <laughs> well, I don't, have the, love surprise. I don't have the exact number off the top of my head, but it's okay, only a handful okay. of times. I think it's, I think it's five times, but I'm going to, let me, let me see if I can, how quickly I can multitask. No, don't, don't, while don't, don't, just go. While I'm telling you this. Okay. Well, here's the other thing I'll tell you is, um, it refers in the New Testament almost entirely to to the Eucharist. Uh, Jesus says it. You might remember when he's instituting. He says, um, "This this um, cup is the blood of the covenant which is shed for you." And, and so it's it's used very seldom. This this phrase, "blood of the covenant," and it almost always refers to um, the 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 cup when it when we're thinking about. Jesus in instituting this. Uh, and so anyway, that that's the only thing, you know, this passage kind of makes me think when he's talking about meeting together, uh, he talks about this idea of the blood of the covenant. Uh, it makes me think again of that same, same kind of an idea. Is there, is there something in this? It's kind of like Paul saying, this is why some of you are, are weak and sick and some of you have fallen asleep, you know? So anyway, that, that okay. was just the only, only other thing I was going to mention is in, in connection with that. So, yeah. So how, Let's kind of synthesize this because I think for you and I, we're both we're, we're not we're not taking it all the way back to how we would say a uh, transubstantiation view where it's the literal body right. and blood. Like, but we we see some insertion in this. How do you think we should? How do you think we should approach it? How should we think about this if we if we are yeah. starting to become convinced that it is not just a flat thing, but it is this connection to the spiritual world? Well, I, I guess. I, I don't know is a short answer, but, but the longer answer I suppose is that I want to see this as more than simply symbolic. I want to see it as, as you know, when, when we participate in this, like like you said, I'm remembering what Christ has done for me. Uh, I'm thinking about the effect, the real, I mean, if we believe in eternal life, there has to be some kind of real effect at some point, right? Right, The real effect that this has on my, on my being uh, you know, mm-hmm. this is this is a life giving thing. Uh, you know, I like that phrase, the medicine of immortality. You know, this this is this is the thing. And I would say that that this 
it, it, as I said, with baptism, the Lord's Supper and baptism are kind of things that that are unique and set apart God's people, uh, set apart followers of Jesus. Um, you know, it, the Eucharist is not something that that you see in other other kinds of uh, religions, for example, or other you know other uh, practices. Uh, it's a different kind of thing. So. Anyway, that's that's what I would say. What what would you have to say? What's your answer to that question? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, you bringing that up, you know, I'm trying to think like what other religions celebrate the the death of their god, right? Um, you know, you know, right? Like, no, the, exactly. The, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And we participate in that. You know, I think the thing for me is, you know, it's hard. You don't want to. it's like the uh, confessions of St. Augustine where you can turn so far inward, you know, like you get lost in yourself, but kind of thinking through as, as I'm doing that, that I'm, you know, participating it with Christ, you know, like it's the focus of, yes, I need to, um, confess my sin and come before him. But gosh, I don't, I don't know. You know, like that's the thing is I'm always trying to figure out how do I reclaim a sense of this? How do I reclaim yeah. a sense of, yeah. um, uh, you know, uh, because we live in a world where it is, everything is right, basically under our domain or we think it's but, under our domain. But we, as I've said before, and I, and I keep coming back to this, we do believe in the spiritual, right? We, right. Yes. <laughs> we, we believe, we believe in, in unseen God an invisible God who was revealed in Jesus. Uh, we believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus from the dead and his ascension into heaven. Uh, we believe in the Holy Spirit, right? And, and you know, we, we affirm that we believe that the Holy Spirit of God interacts in us. I mean, Paul says this about the, and I believe this very strongly, Paul says the Holy Spirit of God lives within us uh, if we are in Christ and has, I think, actual effects on our life. Um, you know, so... Uh, I don't know. I guess it's just one of those things. Why? Why do we? I guess I should should ask. Why do we hesitate so much uh, to think about these actions uh, mm-hmm. where we're we're you know seeking uh, an interaction with with God and mm-hmm. and with Christ and with the Holy Spirit? Why should we expect there not to be some kind of real effect right. that these these actions have? Yeah. In some ways, you know, I, I always think like some of, some of our views have been reactionary to other views. And so we swing right. so far that's, that's away point. from, you know, we, we don't think that's it's actual body and blood. So it's now just it's just it. You know, it's just memorial. Right. It, there is there is no connection to spiritual. Right. But, yeah, for, for me, it's, you know, again, thinking through as I take it and I think about it like I am connecting to, to a, a, a reality to hear. Right. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm connecting to, I'm not just ingesting bread and dressing juice, but I'm connecting to a spiritual reality right. Right. In, in this. So well, it's hard just yeah. being conscious of it. I think for me is, you know, and I think, you know, I'm not a leader in a church at this point, but kind of going, are there ways in which we can, as we do communion, as we set up communion, that we can point people to that, Draw attention to it. Draw attention to that reality. Right. Right. Yeah. Even when you said, I kind of react a little bit when you said when we do communion, because 
I oh, mean, yeah. and again, this is this is a Roman Catholic thing, right? That the host is the one who is offering this to us, right? It's not yeah. it's not something we do. It is something that is done to us, I suppose, or or is offered to us at least, and we participate and we partake, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's kind of the whole thing we've said before. Uh, about we we tend to use verbs of taking and and uh, you know getting and controlling and and really it's it's about um, receiving and accepting and and those kind of mm. things. So. That's an excellent point. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> I it, make one. It's good. I make you one know, once we, in a while. Yeah. No, it, you know, yeah, maybe it is the maybe <laughs> you know just that simple thing of thinking like that we're receiving yeah. that we're not taking you know it's like yeah. it is a gift given to us um right. that has that spiritual connection instead of so yeah yeah i'll that's say a, that that's too. a good one brian that's yeah. a good one for me to ruminate on yeah I'll, I'll say this that that sometimes even varying the way that we we do this you know when it's passed when that when it's we we sometimes have the people come up front and some people don't like it oh you're you know this is too roman catholic but but again it's a receiving right it's not it's not just a taking it's not us you know taking it out of the plate it's being it's being given to us i suppose is what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. it's so. it, it's it's a gift yeah it's a gift given yep. Yep. Well, this is a good one, Brian. Good conversation. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. I did thousands of miles apart. Here we yep. are. Here we are having this conversation. Well, Brian, connected, thanks so much. Connected by uh, by the common loaf. <laughs> <laughs> connected by the common loaf. That is could be the title, the common loaf. Um, <laughs> well, Brian, thanks so much. I appreciate your yeah. time. Yeah, and, no problem. Um, Thank yeah, you for it, making it, making this on the road. So yeah, absolutely. Make a special and effort. If, if you're enjoying the bistro, we invite you to join us on Patreon. You can find a link for yeah. that on thebiblebistro.com. If you yeah. want to support us, you, you know we're paying for software and everything else in time, so we'd appreciate that. You can also find a link to sign up for uh, our email newsletter, which is, again, we've been very busy, sporadic. But we do – I know we keep saying this. We do have plans and places that we'd like to go with this, uh, and it looks like some things are going to open up for us. So um, if you're enjoying the podcast, we invite you to join. Share it with some friends. Like us on – uh, Facebook or you know subscribe leave us a review on Apple Podcasts anything yep. we'd appreciate it all that would help all that would help absolutely well Brian <laughs> thanks so much and yeah. we will chat uh, next Tuesday yep safe travels yeah see ya bye bye alright bye